Good morning, everyone. I'm excited today. I, I don't know if everybody got the, the announcement or not, but we have a special speaker today. We flew in internationally. That's cool. That's like the first time we could say that is this church, right? That's kind of cool. I mean, we would have flown him in anyways, but all the things that I've been able to share with you regarding Nigeria and what has been transpiring there has been a result of a team effort there in Nigeria. And I'm excited because I know they're all watching right now. And that team has been led by a very special couple, Michael and Allie, who God called for this specific purpose. I remember the trip that Michael and I were on when it was revealed by the Lord that they were going to head up this work there. The Lord told me separately, of course, I wasn't allowed to say anything to him. The Lord told him separately, and he didn't say anything to me. Until finally, I think it was, was it on the plane coming back, or was it just before the plane? The layover. Okay, so it was on the plane ride back that the Lord said, okay, why don't you guys finally talk about this? And the Lord had said the same thing to each of us. See, when you wait on the Lord, and you wait on Him to do His plan, He does it. And it's done in such a way that the results are miraculous. They went there, is it July? I think July of last year, so we're coming up on a year, not even quite a year. What the Lord has done in this past year has been nothing short of extraordinary. And we, we've talked about this, we've shared about this. And, and I don't know, this isn't necessarily what Michael is going to speak on. He'll speak on whatever the Lord lays on his heart. But I want you to understand, being here in America, if you've never been there, it's hard to grasp what God is doing there. And I want you to really understand the depth of what he's doing in changing lives. In purifying ground, literally taking ground. So I'm not going to take up any more time of Michael's time. I just want to introduce you to him, and I know he will introduce his wife, I'm sure. If he doesn't, then he will eat alone this afternoon. But Michael, come on up. Not used to all this fancy stuff. It's been like a year. Let me uh, position some things here. How are you guys? Good, good. Yeah. No, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to be back. It's also weird. Um, it's it's strange. I. I went to uh, Walgreens. It was like the first store that I went to after I came back here. And 
It's like I didn't even know how to act. Uh, went up to the counter. I'm like giving the cashier my debit card. This is how they do it in Nigeria. The, the cashier like goes behind the counter with a machine and checks you out. And she just looks at me at Walgreens and says, uh, sir, the terminal's right here. Says, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. You know, just little things. <clears throat> but, um, no, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, before I even knew that I would be speaking today, um, it was like a few weeks ago, actually, in Nigeria, that the Lord put on my heart something to really share and impart. Um, yes, for people here, um, hopefully, you know, for people watching online, um, but I just, I'm excited for what he's going to have me talk about. Not sure how he wants to organize this. It's just, I have scriptures. Honestly, it's basically just me reading the Bible today and then kind of relating it to some examples of things that both my wife and I have been through, which, by the way, before I eat alone today, my, my wife is the beautiful beautiful one in the back for those who have never met us before, uh, Allie, and then my really awesome, super, super cool daughter, uh, McKinley, who truly, when he said the couple runs the compound, it's not true, she does. She walks around with, you know, like a walk, there's a photo of her walking around with a walkie-talkie and pointing at something, and it's like the perfect picture. It looks like she's just bossing someone around, so it's great. But <clears throat> I think... You know, I've been thinking about a, a title. You know, there, there's titles for all these messages. And I think Alexis was talking about like the whole three-point outline, you know, a couple weeks ago. Or was it last week or a couple weeks ago? But I think I would, I would pose a question in this title, which is, are you sure? Are you sure? And, and truly, I think today, I, I, I want to ask and pose that question to you. Are you sure? And, and it's going to hit a variety of things. And... So, with you know, I can't come from a mission field without showing pictures. You know, some of the things that happen and some of the things that are going on, I think that's a little bit unfair to people. But, Cole, do you have, do we have those pictures up? I, I want to start with a few. Uh, I don't even know what order. It kind of doesn't matter. Um, but <clears throat> I want to thank you first. Before I really get into this, I want to thank you for all of your prayers. Whether you donated, you didn't donate, all of your prayers were very much felt. This past, uh, was it this last Thursday, Friday? This past Thursday and Friday, we held an event at an IDP camp, which IDP stands for Internally Displaced People. So these people are the victims of all of these Fulani herdsmen attacks. I'm not really going to go into it, you know, that, that rabbit trail there. But if you don't know, go to our website, nigeria.ignition633.org. You can learn more about what's going on with that. But they're here in what is essentially a refugee camp from within the same country. And this is, this is what they have. It, it, it's whatever is on their backs when they ran from the attack. These Fulani go into villages seeking land for their cattle to graze. And to be really straightforward, they seek to Islamicize this nation of Nigeria. So they will go in and they target Christian communities. The Teve nation, the Teve tribe, which we work with very closely, and is the predominant Teve tribe within Benway State. They are targeted very heavily by the Fulani. And so most of the IDPs are Teve by tribe. Most don't speak English. Um, a lot of them are Christian, but a lot of them have never heard uh, about Jesus before. They've never heard of the Word of God. Um, maybe even possibly some of them from the far reaches in, in the bush. 
um, actually still worship their ancestral god Shwen. Um, so we, we encounter a lot of you know a lot of different uh, backgrounds within the games. But <clears throat> this is a picture here. This is actually uh, a somewhat comical story. Um, we, we we did a tour around the camp on, on the second day, Friday, um, and, and this this event, if you will, was a medical intervention. We had organizations from various states that are United States based, but they have teams on the ground in, in different states. We all actually came together for one unified effort, which is pretty amazing because most churches, at least in the United States, most, most churches don't really like to play together. Um, so we, we really were able to come together with a lot of organizations to provide assistance, time of worship, time of gospel sharing. Um, and, I, and I'm going to get to that because we have some exciting things to share about that. But I, we were taking a tour around the camp, meeting people, praying with people, talking with people, encouraging them, um, just sharing the love of Jesus. And this picture just happens to show my wife and I, but there was a whole team of us. Um, <laughs> as I stepped up to where this lady here um, next to the little microphone thing, um, as I stepped up to her, her tent, you know, there was some grass, you know, some weeds right here amongst all of the dirt, just a little passive grass and weed. And so, you know, I stepped up, stepped into the weed near her tent and, and you know, said, you know, hi, you know, I, I speak a little bit of tea, so I greeted her in her language, you know, asked her for her name, asked her what she was doing, and she was, she was cooking. You know, I asked her what she was cooking, and she just points down at what I was stepping on, and I said, oh, I'm so <laughs> So I, I accidentally was stepping on her, her, you know, the food that she grows within the camp. I mean, that, that's a little comical, but honestly, it's, it's also a little rough to, to talk about. I mean, that, that is the food. That, that was the livelihood. Um, I want to show another, another photo. This is one of the tables where they were actually clinically diagnosing um, people within the camp. We, we, we met the needs of over 2,000 people in a camp that has a population of just over 11,000 people. So while we weren't able to hit everyone, we really got the good majority of all of the critical cases of people. Um, and just a little background, we get reports multiple days a week of people who have been rushed to the emergency room, died, newborn infants that, that died two days later because they couldn't, they couldn't survive in, in the conditions um, you know, for various reasons. Right here, the, the lady who's, who's writing something and looking at um, one of the, the people in the camp, um, <clears throat> that is actually the queen's daughter. So she actually came out and volunteered herself um, as the queen's daughter, so the princess, um, to come out and serve her people, um, helping to, to you know, medically diagnose. I believe she, I can't remember if she's a doctor or a nurse, but, but it was pretty impactful to the people that she was there helping and, and being with people. Um, rather than just staying within the palace. So that, that speaks to the king and the queen's heart, and as well as their whole family. Uh, this is a distribution um, of, of medicine, or they call it drugs. I don't want to use that word because it has a different connotation here. But they're distributing medicine. Um, these are pharmacists who are actually qualified to prescribe based on symptoms and evaluations. So we were able to prescribe medicine that was much needed I can tell you the testimonies when we went into the camp the Saturday following the, two, the Thursday and Friday event, there were hundreds and hundreds of people rushing to, to our team just, just wanting to share testimony. 
I've been dealing with this for months, this pain in my stomach or this pain in my arm, and, and it's gone. It's gone. And while I do attribute a lot of it, obviously, to the medicines and things that were able to be provided, I, I know that God performs some miracles, even, even underneath our nose, without us really being aware. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very thankful to the Lord for that. And um, they, one of the teams from, from Joss, uh, another location, um, brought the team down of four Americans, and three of them, actually, two of them were lactation consultants. So they're registered uh, nurses and lactation consultants. And so all of these women, all, we were told that there were 29, um, or excuse me, 60, 30 pregnant, 30 new moms that came to this course, and this is well over that. The, 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 the crowd was even outside the door. And this was a training course, a three-hour training course on how to nurse. There are so many malnourished infants simply, simply because the mother doesn't know that the child needs to eat as often as it does. Doesn't know that, you know, unless they can eat something, um, their, their milk supply will go down. If, you know, all, all of these, just, just knowledge, just training. Um, and so we, we were able to really help with that as well. And if we can show the next one. <clears throat> this is a picture from one of the side doors of that building out into the camp. Uh, so, like I said, a population of a little, little over 11,000 people displaced in this one camp out of five that we work with. Um, the, the next camp in size is 30,000 or more uh, within that camp. So we'll go to the next one. Just another picture, we'll go to the next one. You can see the, the tents from the event cut off in the distance. This is zoomed in. We had, you know, uh, six, six tents rented for different stations. We were cutting uh, children's hair uh, because there was a lot of skin infection and scalp. Um, we, we treated one, one um, young man who, it, it was so advanced and severe, his entire scalp, there was no hair, uh, his hair had completely fallen out, and his scalp was so cracked up and bloody, um, and, and it was just, he was just in so much pain. And I received a report two days after I landed here, because um, we, did, we did take him to the hospital, actually, um, and, and he is, I mean, not fully recovered because it takes time to heal, but, but he's doing so much better and has been in the progress going forward. So we're thankful for that. It's another station here where they're doing lab tests. We, we tested, I think we had the equipment to test 1,500 people that had symptoms of things. We tested for malaria. We tested for um, HIV, and we actually did find a few cases where they tested positive, and they were not aware of until that point. So we were able to get them connected with the hospital for treatment, um, and, and typhoid as well. Uh, and I believe there was another thing, but honestly, everything that was going on, I wasn't aware of all the details, because like Greg said, this, this wasn't just me and Allie, this is a team effort. I'll tell you one thing, Nathan, Nathan uh, uh, Keller, he has earned the name and the radio name MacGyver. I don't know if Greg said that before here, but um, literally we arrived at the camp to set everything up. We went to turn the generator on, and it did not put out any power. It, was, it just failed. It, it, the thing would run, but no power. So we had no power for any of the haircutting stations, any of the lab testing equipment. I mean, basically half of this event would be done if we didn't have power. And right as we're about to start, we're finding that out. He's been dealing with it, and we're thinking, okay, well, we'll have to delay hours and go and you know go find a generator somewhere. And all of a sudden, two minutes later, we get a radio call from from MacGyver, and uh, 
he's fixed it. He's like rewired the whole generator and it's pumping power again. And it's just like that that guy is truly, truly gifted. Nathan's truly gifted and we're just thankful for him. And, and honestly, Tampa and Ajuma, who run the compound, you know, it, it, it's just amazing the leadership that God has given us. Even, even uh, my chief of staff, who, who is somebody who handles so much and, and helps me with everything that's going on, we, we, we nicknamed him the chief of stress um, because he's just stressed out all the time. There's so much going on. And um, even, even the the guy who runs our outreach at the camp, who leads a lot of the outreach on a, on a weekly basis, uh, Sam, who many of you have maybe seen on social media as the chef in the kitchen, because he also helps us with that. God has gifted him in such amazing ways that he carries the Holy Spirit with him like, like someone I've not seen. Um, he just has a passion for Christ that, that is unfortunately not so common in, in so many people. Um, is there another photo? I don't know if I have another yeah. This is just a picture of the line um, of, I mean, we probably administered uh, medicine to over 2,000 people, um, people within and from without the camp. They, they, people came in just seeing the event. So it was, it was a very impactful thing. The queen visited for a, for a short brief period. She was, she was about in tears, um, you know, witnessing just her people in, in such, you know, disparity, um, but, but also so thankful to God. Um, there, there's just so much. I, I wish I could spend the whole time. I wish I could so, show videos. Hopefully our social media, Brooke, I don't even know if we've got a plan, but hopefully that stuff will go out and you guys can see it. But I, I really want to get into what God has um, today. And, and again, are you sure? Okay. Are you sure? Can, can we turn to, and I'm going to pray really quick. Father, <clears throat> Father, I thank you. I thank you for this awesome opportunity to be here in the U.S. just for, for a brief time of just being able to see both our church family and our real family that, that hasn't seen us in a year and seen McKinley. And, and Father, I'm just thankful for that, God. And I'm, I'm thankful for what you have for us today. And God, I pray. I pray that you organize all of the thoughts, all of the scripture, that you put it into my mind, whatever needs to be spoken today. And God, that your Holy Spirit would help us to, to digest in certain sections of the scripture I know I'm going to be reading, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Father, I pray that you open our spiritual ears and open our spiritual eyes so that we're not the people within the, the, the parables that, that will we'll read it, but not, not you know, hear it, but not hear, but see, but not see. Father, help us to truly see and hear what you have, God. Uh, because although every bit of what I know you have today can be thought of as simple, can be thought of as common, uh, common sense biblically. God, I, that's why you pose the question, are you sure? Are you sure it's that simple? Are you sure you understand it? Are you sure you know this? God, because it's truly important that we dig deeper into what you have, Father. So I just pray your Holy Spirit helps us to digest, helps us to see and hear what you have today. God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... <clears throat> I want to turn to hmm. let's turn to Matthew um, Matthew eighteen. I mean, excuse me, Matthew eight, verse eighteen. So. I'm going to go ahead and read here. 
says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side, and a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds have the air, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lie his head. Another one of the disciples uh, said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And I know, I know Greg actually went over this verse recently and talked about what, what does this mean, you know, to go and bury my father. And, and truly, you know, whatever way you want to interpret this, it's talking about, let me go and finish something up really quick and, I, and I'll be right there in, in one translation. And it's, it's really important that we understand what this, this scripture kind of is talking about and, and what it means, right? And, I, and I've got a few that I want to kind of tie together this morning, but they're, they're saying to him, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll go wherever you tell me. I'll do whatever you say. How many of us say that all, like all the time, every Sunday at least, you know, if it's posed by Greg, are you, you know, would, would, you, would you go there if God asked you to go? Yeah, I would go there. I would go there. I'd follow you anywhere. But how many of us, how many people don't, don't actually follow through with that, right? So I, I want to go to another scripture here. And, and, I, and I think I'm just going to start reading through these. And then maybe we'll reference back into them. So let's go to Luke 14. Verse 25. So the, the section of scripture I just read is, is titled, at least in, in my version here, The Cost of Following Jesus, right? This section here is titled The Cost of Discipleship. So, I mean, maybe there's a theme there about the cost, right? So, verse 25 says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Stop there for a second. We see, I mean, even Greg and I, uh, and then Bill, when another, another uh, uh, ministry leader and his wife came out to visit with us, we were driving, you know, up to Abuja when they were on their way leaving, or maybe it was coming down to McCurdy, and we just started noticing, you know, like, you know, Greg, he's a, he's a contractor, he used to build homes and do construction and, and all that stuff, so, he, you know, I think he's familiar with trying to assess the cost of building things, and we're going down the road, and... You just notice all of these buildings everywhere, whether it's in the city, whether it's rural, and you have a shell of a building, possibly it has a roof, but then it's just completely unfinished. Like no doors, no windows, no, no cement, you know, plaster, no paint, um, and, and possibly even the construction materials are still strewn about. Um, in, in Abuja, it amazes me. I've been going to Nigeria since 2018 in October. That was my first trip there. And from that point, I have referenced the same crane to build a skyscraper from then to now, and there's been no progress on the building. 
Crane's still up. It's still there. No progress on the building. And Bill was asking this question. He said, it just amazes me. Why do people start this thing and they just don't finish it? It's just amazing. And, and truly, you know, through conversation, we, we, you know, we come to find out through my time there and, and everything that it's, it's because they didn't know how much it was going to be. And, and in their defense, it's because prices fluctuate so much so you don't know how, you know, prices are going to double maybe next year and you don't know. But it's because they, they don't know the cost. They didn't know how much work it was going to be, how much money it was going to be. Um, and there's various reasons that aren't just, you know, ignorant on their part. But truly the, the answer and the reason is they didn't know the cost. They didn't know how much it was going to take. And I'm going to keep reading here. Verse 29. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Saying, this, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able, to, um, whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And, and, it, and it's looking here, and it's the scripture is talking about, you know, what, what king, you know, what Gideon, who only has 300, wouldn't sit down and at least assess the fact, are we going to be able to do this? And, and you better believe Gideon did. It shows that. Lord, are you sure? You sure? You want me to cut more? What did you say? What, what king doesn't assess whether it's able to be done. What war leader doesn't assess is this able to be done before he just says, yeah, sure, you know, no problem. And, and I want to I address that because so often we do talk about, and it's true, I'm not disputing the fact that we, we can absolutely have blind faith with our Father in Heaven when He asks us to do something, do it. But it's also important, and I think that's why he references here, Jesus talks about this, because he understands our human nature and what we're going to end up doing, probably. Which is, if God tells you to move to Nigeria to join the mission field, some of the first things you're going to do is, Lord, but what about my job? What about my family? What about the condition? What about the air condition? That was me. What about, you know... How, how will, you know, how, what about my safety? You know, what, what about food there? They don't have McDonald's. How can I live? You know, it's, it's funny, but it's true. I mean, I, I can, I mean, I'll raise my hand with you. I mean, how many people have gone on a trip to Nigeria and thought those things just for a trip? And it's not even moving there, right? He's telling us to assess the cost, not, not to say, you know, well, you know, make sure it's something that you'll physically be able to do. That's not the question. You will physically be able to do anything, even if it's physically impossible, if God is the one that calls you to do it and you've stepped in that and given him your yes. He equips those who are called. He doesn't call those who are equipped. It doesn't work that way, right? So what is really important when, when looking to answer God's call to anything in your life, whatever it is, whether it's to leave one job and start another job, whether it's to accept the call to go to the mission field, I'm probably going to focus on that example because I can speak to that in authority, you know, uh, we've done it, right? Um, 
when he calls you to go to the mission field, when he calls you to a new job, when he calls you to pray for that woman at Walmart, you know, when it's, when it's really difficult because that lady's in the middle of a checkout line. So it's not like you just pull her to the side. She's not going to get out of line for you. And, and you don't want to wait 15, 20 minutes because you kind of, you've got a lunch appointment you need to get to. And he's just pressing on your heart, you know, you need to pray for that woman. You know, you need to, you need to stop and pray for that woman. Wow. But Lord, it's going to cost me five minutes. I'm already running late. Oh, Lord, that's going to cost me some embarrassment because, man, those people in front of her and behind her, they're going to think I'm weird. They're just coming up to a random stranger. She might think I'm weird. She might reject me. She might look at me funny. You know, all these things begin to run through your head when God asks you to do something. And it's not assessing the cost from the standpoint of whether or not you're going to be able to do it. It's assessing the cost to have a foundation behind you when the attack comes after you, when you've chosen to give your yes because you can do it, God has called you to do something, and Satan then begins to challenge you and put pressure on you that, that circumstantially it looks like it's going to be really tough, or it is really tough, or anything like that. You need to be able to have already thought through the difficulties, thought through the costs that are there, and be sure of yourself that, yes, I am willing to give that up. I am willing to go through this difficulty for you, Jesus. And with that, I want to go to another scripture here. Um, I want to go to the parable of the sower of Matthew 13. So verse 1, Matthew 13, verse 1. So it says here, <clears throat> That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. <clears throat> and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground. Whether they did not have much, uh, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when they, when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced again, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And this is where I'm talking about in my prayer. He who has ears, let him hear. And, and, I, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would open our ears with that because I do think it's important. And with that, let's, let's move on to verse 18 here. <clears throat> because even for those who don't have ears, it, it brings a little bit of explanation here. It's the parable of the sower explained. So it says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, 
This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So here he's talking about, you know, you've got four cases. You've got the path, you've got rocky ground, you've got the thorns, and then you've got good soil. So I'm going to leave good soil, because that's all, that's really good, and we understand that if we do good and everything's perfect, it's going it's to be good. I'm also going to leave out the whole, if you don't understand, you know, maybe, maybe we'll equate that to those who, who don't know God, maybe those who, you know, are the, the Christian in name only, you know, uh, that kind of thing, um, where they're not going to understand anything in, in the word, you know, possibly. Uh, I'm going to also leave that one to the side as well. It, it's this middle, these middle two for, for two various reasons here. You have seed that is being sown on rocky ground. So again, it says, as far as what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Stop there. Maybe God calls you when you walk into Walmart to pray for this woman or a woman. He's, maybe he just tells you he has somebody he wants to pray for. And you've just been looking, itching for an opportunity to pull someone aside and pray for them privately, all this. And like, yes. Definitely, Lord, no problem. Just show me who. Just show me who. I'll do it. I'll pray for anybody you want me to. Definitely. And it says here, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. Okay, so you're walking through Walmart. You just needed to pick up, like, I don't know, a pack of diapers for your child from experience. Um, and all of a sudden he now shows you the person that you need to pray for. And they are just, they're looking like they're just ready to leave. They're so done. They don't like Walmart anyways, and they had to go and get stuff. And, and they're in the middle of a line, and, and, and maybe you've kind of caught eyes with them, and they're like purposefully averting you. So already you're sensing in the spirit that they're just not wanting to come near. All these things, all the pressures of, and, I, and I, this is even just a really simple example. You know, all the pressures of, of you know, what it would feel like, what rejection would come. And, and now all the tribulation and all these things start to hit you. And tribulation, you know, in that sense might be a little bit extreme. But, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's all one and the same. Whether it's the lady at Walmart or going and teaching, uh, spreading the word of Christ to people who have never heard. In a foreign nation, this has such insecurity that the media will tell you you'll die the moment you get off the airplane. You know... It's really important that we assess these costs. Are we willing to, to continue to have the fortif- uh, fortification to endure through, to abide through all of these things? And, and to be fair, some of these things you may not even be able to assess. Some of these things you may not even know are coming. Um, and you won't know what tribulations will face you. It's important for us to be sure that we're ready to give up anything. And so many people... You know, are, are, would say that that they're they're willing to, they can't, they can't, can you know, they they will not hesitate for any reason. But we have to be sure of that. So, the other one is sown among the thorns. This one is talking about. Okay, let's let's look at the example of going to Nigeria, moving out to Nigeria, or even possibly just going on a trip. He called you to Nigeria, and he called you to move there and become a missionary and do this. Well. 
there is no McDonald's there. That's that's a true thing. There is no Target. You know, you don't go to Walmart and pick your chicken in a pre-done package and stick it in the freezer for next Sunday's barbecue. Um, you, you get out and you walk around an outdoor market in 100 degree weather and you find the chicken that's alive that you think looks good and you buy it and you put it in your car alive and you come back to the house and you stick it in your backyard and you feed it until you're ready to kill it and cook it. It's a little bit more difficult than running to Walmart and grabbing a pack of chicken off the shelf. Just a little. But it's something that's there. Something that we as Americans at least aren't necessarily used to, at least in the cities and things like that. But what about the reality that people are constantly being killed in that nation? What about the reality of the fact that, I mean, even, even just this past April when I went to, to Abuja to pick up um, Bill and Nancy or another ministry, a couple that made a ministry, uh, I picked them up to help them get up to the orphanage that they help support and then also meet some people for our ministry up there. We took a route from Abuja, the capital of Nigeria, up to Jos, the city. They were going to about a five-hour journey. We go through a state called Kaduna. If you've been up in the news in Nigeria, you'll understand. Kaduna has been a heavy, heavy attack from Boko Haram. Um, they, they, they have experienced massive, massive killings just in the last like month, two months. We went through the north. There's a northern route to go through that state a middle route and a southern route. The northern route goes through that state. We went that way because that, that violence was more in the north of the state, not in the southern part. So we went through just the southern sliver of that state to get across. We arrive in Joss, and one hour after we've made the journey, I get a security alert from, from Benway State Security Force um, a text that says, um, to avoid the route we just went on at all costs, that trains are being stopped, bombed, people are being killed and kidnapped on the road that are passing through that route, and all this stuff. So, I mean, and we didn't see any of that when we went through, so it must have just converged the moment we passed through there. And, and what an awesome testimony of God's protection that I want to lay in front of your feet there. But I also want to tell you, those things are realities. No matter where you go, no matter what God's asking you to do, in different versions, in different ways, rest assured that if you're thinking in your mind, well, you know, it's just praying for somebody, I'm sure if the Lord ever asked me to, you don't know the level of opposition that you're going to face until you face it, right? You don't know what's going to tug at you until it tugs at you. So it's good to assess the cost of doing something. If, if I hadn't, if my wife hadn't assessed the cost of the true reality that the last time that her family saw McKinley was at four months old, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things versus somebody shooting down isn't really a big cost in, in certain ways, but it's tough. Don't think it's a small thing. It's tough to be away from family. It's tough to be away from you guys. Truly, it's tough to be away from you guys. But it's something that we had to assess. God's asking us to do it. He will provide everything that we need. We don't have money. When we sold our house, we sold everything here. You know, I was telling the people in Nigeria that it's it's not like there where you don't have mortgages and credit. You know, you buy everything in cash. So if you sell something, you're going to actually get the money that you sold it for. If you buy a house on a mortgage and you sell that house, you're not getting the 200000 or whatever your home price is. I guess now it's like, what, half a million now or something? But... You're not getting all that cash. You're getting whatever equity you have in it. And, and that's a different understanding. We, we didn't have equity. We only lived in the home for a year. 
we, you know, our cars were, I mean, we scrapped them, we didn't sell them. They weren't worth selling. You know, we sold everything, we didn't have anything to go to a foreign nation. Another testimony in that, in the faithfulness of God, when, when we moved out to Nigeria as a team, I think the ministry, the, the missions, you know, account and everything had 33 cents in it. All right, God, we're going to get there. Hopefully nothing happens. Otherwise, you've got to take care of us. You know, I, and people think that that is just the stupidest thing. You're, you're just, you're a fool. You're a fool. You need to make sure that you at least have $10,000 in your account. What happens if somebody, what happens if this, what happens if that? Doesn't matter. God's going to do it. Did God tell us to wait until it was 10000 or did he say go? Did he tell us to wait for 10000 in the account or did he say go? You have to assess the cost because otherwise what you're holding on to in this example, these thorns, what you're holding on to in terms of really, really, I just, I need, I need to feel fulfilled in work that I know how to do. This is not my comfort zone going to Nigeria. Trust me, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a chicken, you know, farmer. I'm not a crop farmer. I'm not a... Whatever else we do, you know, I, you know, all the other things. I'm not a block molder. I'm not a politician. I'm not a. I'm not a. You know, just all these things. I'm just not. But God equips me for what I need to do. Everything that I've had to do over there has been outside of my normal comfort zone. It's not something that I would wake up here in the U.S. and go do. And it's just if you're holding on to something, if you're holding on to the need for satisfaction in an area or, or validation in an area of your work, your job. You know, you're out there in Nigeria. I speak for us because it was a paradigm we had, to, we had to shed. We're out in Nigeria. We have no money. You know, the ministry is providing everything. We're not, we're not you know, out of everything. But personally, okay, personally, which, you know, is a selfish lens. And we had that for a little bit. Things were tough until we shed that. But, but truly, we have no money. If I if I if I want to buy something on Amazon and have Greg bring it, you know, one of the trips he makes or whenever somebody comes, I, I couldn't without asking someone else to do it. Which you know, if you have any kind of pride at all, it's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do to ask somebody else to buy something for you. But if you're holding on to all those things, that's what brings it. If you walk humbly and you're just making a request, honestly, before you know, before the church, before a person. You know, would, you, would you be possibly willing to get this for us? We, we really need it. We just don't have any money. You know, and, and it's something we could use. If you just walk humbly, that's not a tough thing to do. If you walk, if you walk in a way that you are hating, you know, this is a pretty harsh and offensive. You know, I think you mentioned you know, Jesus. Jesus offended a lot of people. Well, just true. If you don't hate your mother, hate your father, hate your sister. I mean, what if I got up here and said, you know, if if you don't hate yourself, you can't be Jesus' disciple. That's a harsh thing to say, really harsh, especially if you go into, you know, any kind of, you know, normal church that just is given whatever message that's not really given super, super hard truth. You know, it's all surfacey. That would be really, really offensive because what do you mean? I come to church every Sunday and Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever. I give my tithe. You know, I go to work like a normal person and I'm a good citizen in society. Meanwhile, God's been asking them to. Pray for people every time they've gone to Walmart and spent money. He's been asking them to join that church's mission thing out to Nicaragua or, you know, Puerto Rico or wherever they're going. And he's just completely ignored it every time, thinking, no, that's not for me. I, I'm, I'm comfortable going to, to work 
in the bank or I'm comfortable going to sit in my office. I'm more comfortable here. God, I'm not really willing to do that. But for those, those who are wanting desperately to answer the call of God, I think this is what I want to impart to you. Truly assess the cost. Are you sure? Because the Bible, the Bible says, the Bible says, Jesus said, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's a heavy thing. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If I were to go to Nigeria on a call from God to go there, I mean, true, he has given us no timeline. I have assumed a timeline, but it's surrendered. I don't care how long I'm there. But if I did, if I, if I went there and I'm saying, you know, Lord, I, I'm going to give you one year. I, I think it's only going to be one year. And I get to that year and he's not really calling me back home. Or it's not, make, it's not really sure, you know, it looks like God might be wanting me to stay there. And I'm, and I'm looking at this going, Lord, I don't know. I, I think, you know, only, only just a year and, and I'm going I'm to go back. I, you know, I haven't seen my family, you know, uh, all this stuff. And, and you begin to attach yourself to all these, these worldly, worldly things. It becomes really difficult. If, if, you are not, if you are not fully surrendered to what God wants you to do. Fully, fully capable, willing to give up everything. Truly, hate your brother, hate your mother, hate your sister, all, all of those things. It's going to be really tough. If you are answering the call from God, I'm asking you, are you sure? Are you sure? Not because I don't want you to go or I want you to a- answer that call or anything like that. But you need to know for yourself. You need to be fortified. You need to set your, path, your, your vision to a tunnel vision and not pay attention to those waves coming to the left or to the right. When, when Satan begins to hit you, like all those superhero movies, Spider-Man, Batman, you know, they're, they're totally willing to, to go and save, you know, whatever victim, damsel in distress, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like with Spider-Man, it's the only person I know who's loved one, MJ, I think is what it's called. You know, when, when MJ, now the, the enemy will target MJ. It's not even targeting Spider-Man because they know Spider-Man doesn't love his life unto death. He's willing to sacrifice it, but now it goes through MJ. A peripheral thing, a peripheral attachment in the world. And he knows he can go after that because it'll affect Spider-Man. Spider-Man really hasn't, uh, you know, you guys get to go after today and say, would you learn how to talk about Spider-Man? <laughs> but if he did not sacrifice MJ like he did in these movies, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to make a choice here. You've got to make a choice to follow no matter what the cost is. Assess that cost. Are you willing to drop your parents? Not in a form of disrespect or anything like that, but are you willing to give them up? I can tell you in the testimony of my wife and I, we had, <clears throat> we, I don't know what time it is, but I'm going to keep going. We had a very, very rough uh, getting started in the ministry, and she has her side of the testimony. I tell my side, because I'm not going to speak for her, but please ask for her side, because if it seems like I'm... Some pedestal guy because I made some great decision because a lot of times my testimony is that I made the choice no matter what she said. Ask her her side because she, she has a really beautiful testimony on that side as well. And I wasn't, uh, even me, before I really found Jesus Christ as an involved person in my life, I wasn't such a great person. You know, I wasn't such a great husband. You know, I, I was living for the world in a lot of respects and everything. But truly, I had to make a decision when Jesus made it clear 
when God made it clear to me that he wanted me to go to Nigeria. He wanted me to move to Nigeria. In fact, that very, that very day he told me, it was like the worst possible situation and circumstantial you know, setting that he could have ever told me. Like the hardest point, the point where I would have probably definitely said no, you know, if I wasn't really, truly dedicated to this. We go to a, a hotel, the shower inside the bathroom, it's, it's like an insert shower inside this bathroom, and the seal has a, a broken seal. So when you're taking a shower, all the water pours out into the bathroom as you're showering. All the, the wastewater just comes all over the floor in the bathroom. So then if you have to use the toilet for anything, go pee or anything like that, you have to trudge through like two inches of water all the way through the bathroom. So, you know, I had to get up at like one in the morning and go to the bathroom. So I'm like waking up at one in the morning, and again, I forgot the water's there. So I'm stepping in really cold water at this point on the bathroom floor, you know, just sploosh, sploosh, you know, all the way to the, to the toilet. And I come back to bed, and I'm trying my best to like dry my feet off so I'm not just like have like a soaking bottom half of the bed or something. So that, that was, you know, discomforting compared to how things and standards are here normally. And then on top of that, it's the, and the air conditioning. Like I said, that was the thing that kind of made me question, is there going to be air conditioning? You know, there, there is and there's not. This hotel's air conditioning or the power went on. We only had power for about five hours in an entire day, and it was kind of sporadic. So really it was about 85 at its coolest inside this hotel room. I'm sweating. I want to take a shower, but I just know that the water's going to flood again and, you know, all this stuff. And then we're getting ready to go to a, a speaking convention. I'm not even speaking, but they're making me wear a suit. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> um, okay. So I'm, I go to the, the armoire. They have this, like, armoire attached to the wall. And I go to open the cabinet where all my clothes are hanging up. And I pull the door open, and the door just falls off. <laughs> and, and I look at Greg... And, I, and, and, you know, we're both just, like, half laughing, half crying at that point. You know, like, we're just, and that is the moment where God said, I want you to move here. <laughs> that's, that's if you, if you know, that is actually why I was laughing, because I just couldn't believe it, you know. And, and he told me, I want you to move here. As a small backstory, I had spent months attempting in my own strength try and manipulate circumstances and make it to where my wife would be willing to move from North Carolina to Delaware. I'm trying to, you know, well, we, could, we could, you know, do this. Oh, if you get a job teaching up there, they pay more. You know, trying to, like, give her all the positives and focus none on the negatives. Like, your whole family that you've lived with in the same state for your whole life won't be there. You know, all those things. Focus on the positive. Oh, you know, we get paid more. All these worldly things, you know, all this stuff. And it just kept blowing up on my face. Blowing up. It went further and further away from the possibility to move. But God just continued every week. I want you to move to Delaware. I want you to move to Delaware. And it wasn't just me. You know, he's calling my family. I want you to move. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I want you to move. Okay. So I finally was faced with a choice because it was clear to me that she wasn't going to go no matter what. No matter what I did, she wasn't going to go. So I had to make a choice. And uh, I made the choice. I made the choice that I was going to come up to Delaware and join this ministry that God is calling us to move up to regardless. And it took a while. It wasn't just a, oh yeah, sure, no problem. It took months. It took months of the Lord asking me. And I did. I made the decision. And it resulted in a three-day situation of her not talking to me. But the fourth day, God 
God did something. Because it wasn't just I said yes and she had talked to me. I mean, I was on my face praying, fasting, you know. In fact, this entire church was praying with me, and I thank you for that very much. Very, very much. Your prayers assist things far greater than you understand. If you don't think you're involved in this Nigerian ministry, get over yourself if you are. You're involved. Your prayers heavily impact what we do. Heavily impact what you do. I don't care that you're not able to give 50 cents every time that we post up that we're doing something. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You can give a penny and God will multiply it like you did the loaves and fishes. We're not worried about that. We need prayer. We need people behind us, spiritually speaking, because that's the true battle. The battle is not carnal. It's not in the flesh and blood. It is in the spirit against the principalities that are over that nation, that are over those territories, over those lands. That's what we fight. We don't fight needing money. Truly, we don't. In fact, more often than not, the reason that we lack money in a situation is because God's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Hold on, wait for me on this one. It's not about that. But I did. I made the choice. And she came with me. Praise God. He worked on her. For whatever reason, you know, that's her side of the testimony. The reason she said yes in that moment, but I know God was in it. So she moves up to Delaware with me in June. June. That's like month six in the year of 2018. And like I said, my first trip to Nigeria was October 2018. Four months later. Four months later. We haven't even unpacked fully yet in our house. Okay? I'm, I'm serious. We haven't even unpacked fully yet. <clears throat> I go to Nigeria. That story happens. We're laughing. And God calls me. We go to the layover because I didn't tell him in that moment. I just... I didn't want to say it out loud because it, it becomes real and like he could hold me accountable for it. You know, at least, at least at that point I'm thinking if I decide not to, then I can just hide. You know, you know, he didn't tell me. We get to the layover and he's talking with David, another guy who went with us on the trip, and he's mentioning. And David asked the question, "Who, who's gonna, you know, who, who, do you have somebody who's kind of like gonna be there on the ground to lead, you know, a team or anything?" And Greg said, "Yeah, we, we do. God, God showed me someone, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and everything." And and it wasn't even me, it was like the Holy Spirit like using me as a puppet to speak. And he just he just makes it come out of my mouth. Maybe he wanted me to solidify it right then. But he just forces me to blurt out and said, Yeah, I know who. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know who. And he goes, You do? Who? And I said, Yeah, it's me. Go. You know. And and he's like Wow, yeah, that's exactly what the Lord told me. And, uh, and then it was like real. And then, then I started to panic. No, I'm kidding. But I, I truly did, when, when that moment happened, even that whole night at the hotel, I remember like passionately praying with it. I've never prayed that hard in my whole life, probably. And my whole prayer was, Father, you're telling her, not me. You are going to tell her, not me. Because if I tell her four months after I just went through all that, she's surely going to split from me. It's, there's no way it's going to happen unless you do this. And we got home, and it was like two, three days. The Lord told me, tell her. I said, no, you tell her. And the next day, tell her. No, you tell her. Finally, he goes in a booming voice. If I had ever heard the Lord audibly, it would have been in that moment. He said, tell her. Yes, sir. And I did. I, I sat on the couch watching whatever show we were watching or something. And I turned to her and I said, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. She goes, What? And I said, God's telling told me we, I, we, uh, I forgot. God's telling me we need to move to Nigeria. And she goes, I knew it. I knew it. Something told me you were going to 
that. Something told me, and this time she didn't think that she heard from God or anything like that, but that something, let me tell you, was God. And he did honor his, his, my request of him to tell her first. I just didn't know it. And literally within that 30-second to 60-second conversation, she was like, yeah, sure, fine. Let's do it. I'm, that's fine. I mean, no struggle, no three days of not talking, no months of praying, you know, praying and fasting, no, no internal conflict of war within me on whether to keep it going or not. Nothing. It was just, sure, let's do it. Your prayers do things like that. They make impossible as possible. And truly, we can't thank you enough. And I, I think for the sake of time, I kind of want to want to wrap this up, but I'm asking you whether or not you're sure when God calls you to do something. Some of you have been called, and I know it because God has told me. Some of you in this very room have already been told by God to go to Nigeria. You've already been told. I know it. I know who you are, but he won't let me talk to you about that because he's already talked to you about it. Assess that cost. Make that choice. It will be worth it hands down. Hands down, it will be worth it. Um, I, I want to read one more one more section of scripture because I think it's just it's it's the section of scripture that our banner verse comes from, Matthew six. I think it's really important. All scripture is important. I'll say that after every verse quote, probably. But Matthew six, verse twenty five through thirty four. Says, therefore I tell you. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They are neither toil, they neither toil nor spin, yet I can tell you even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which he will he not be more will he not clothe you more, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That is... Probably in, in answering the call of God, in, in waking up every single day, truly something you should read every morning. Read it every single morning. Just like when you know Greg says, wake up and just say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. Read that section of scripture every day. Believe it. There, there was a person, I'm not going to name names, anything in case, you know, whatever. But there was a story, a story I was told the other day where... where um, Somebody was talking to a family member about uh, um, the story of Noah, and, and 
you know, talking about, oh yeah, you know, they brought the, the all the animals to the ark and all this stuff, and and you know, the, the family member just goes, oh, oh, you, you believe that was, do you, do you believe that that was literal? Like it really actually happened? And and this person responds, do you believe that Jesus really actually died on the cross? You know, and it's just so true. From the standpoint of understanding that this scripture is truth. Especially every single thing that is in red, in a red letter Bible, the words of Jesus Christ is true. It is, it is the only truth. It is the way and it is the life. Uh, indeed, they say, Yesu Kabenda, Mimi Man Uma. And that is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Every single thing in this word of, of the Lord is absolute truth and can be tried and trusted as it says this. So if it's telling us not to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, you know, whether our, our family will be okay without us, whether this, whether that, don't stop being anxious about that stuff when God calls you to do something. If he asks you to do it, just do it. Assess that cost that, yes, it's going to cost you something. Let me tell you, if God asks you to do anything, including wake up an hour earlier every day or stay up an hour later at night or, or you know, I don't know, blow your nose one more time in a day. No matter how simple and small that may seem to you, assess that cost. Because if God's asking you to do it, then it's a purpose. There is a purpose for it, and Satan hates that purpose. So he'll come against it with things you just not you don't even expect. So if you go into doing something God calls you to do, and you have not already assessed that there will be a cost, it's going to be a really, really tough thing. So, again, when you're, when you're looking through life, when you're looking through what God calls you to do, when you're looking through that lens of, God, what would you have me do? Yes, I'm willing to do anything. My life is yours. We sing these worship songs. You know, I, I surrender all. You know, I, I give my life to you. You know, we've got to be sure. We've got to be sure because we don't want to be a fool who didn't think about the cost when we go to build and have people mocking you that you weren't able to finish that building. We don't want to be unfit for the kingdom of God. We set our hands to the plow and keep looking back at our sister or our job or you know our money or, or anything else. So truly, are you sure is the question to continue asking yourself because we need to be sure. We don't have time to continue wasting being unsure, riding the fence. There's no more of that. And we're moving forward to the time where these, these decisions that God's going to ask us to do are going to be more split-second every day. And so... Um, with that, I just want to I just want to close in prayer from mine. I think somebody's going to call it. Father, I, I just thank you, God. I know I was all over the place in certain aspects of this, but God, just bring it together. I ask for your Holy Spirit again to help just digest this, to organize it within each and every one person's spirit. Father, whether there's an understanding in what was being shared, Father, online or here. God, allow it to digest and make sense later. Bring examples to their minds as they go through life today. Go through their day at a Walmart and encounter a woman, you know, who they need to pray for. Father, I I pray that your Holy Spirit guide them in how to put this to practice every single day of their life, God. Because it is important to be obedient to you. Obedience to you and faith in you is what truly pleases you. Father, so allow us to be unencumbered by anything else. Uh, any attachment of this world truly and not to worry about who's going to provide what if we say yes. You are a king. You are the king of kings. Father, and you are our father. 
So, Father, if, if you're our father and you're the king of kings and you own the, the, the cattle on a thousand hill and you have all the riches and all the glory and everything, and your word says if we ask for bread, would you give us a stone? Surely not. Father, you say anything that we pray and ask, you'll do according to your will. So, Father, why are we ever worried about anything? So, Father, I just, help, I just ask that you help us to fully understand that and fully, fully grow into that paradigm and that lens, God. I just pray you will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close the service entirely, I, um, one of my favorite testimonies ever is Michael and Allie's testimony. I just love having known Michael since infancy. Um, it, it is such a strong testimony to me that everything he desired, when he referenced he was for a time living for the world or living for self, every one of his desires God was aware of. You know, he, he's aware of our heart's desire. He's aware of the things that we're interested in. The reason we're, we're interested in marketing or in music or in art or uh, whatever it is. And I've seen God fulfill the original desires of Michael times ten. When he was in the car industry and, and tire industry and things that were, and was seeking to be a manager and, and wanted the authority. And now it's like God... Has, this is the thing that strikes me so much in my own life, and I've seen it in other lives. We think so small in some of our desires. We pers- our pursuits are a fraction of what he has for us. And if we only, Psalm 37, 4, delight in him, then he'll give us the very desires that he gave us to have. He will fulfill them, though, in a way that is ten times better. I do have to say... And it might not have been something they would even share. Because there's a, there's a parallel world that they live in. There's a laid down life you have to have in Nigeria. of the And, and they actually lived it long term. Some of us lived it short term, back and, coming back and forth. Um, so I have some of these experiences, but yet the long term investment of, of moving there is very different. Of... Showering with a bucket, not having power, not even have running water for a period of time. You know, staying in places that, I mean, sketchy would be, you know, a minimal way to describe it. But yet, God humbled them through it and then provided. But there's the other side of the parable, parallel, which is they have stayed in some of the most amazing places. They have been esteemed. They, the authority that God has given them to carry has been recognized by the highest leaders in the land. They, they are seated in front row places in most everywhere they go. They are listened to. They are heard. The authority that they have is growing and growing and growing. That is even recognized, as he referenced, by the king and queen, by the governor, by different uh, local authorities. So... Things sometimes that we aspire to, that was not why he went there. He went there just for God's call. He would never have known what God would have equipped him to do. That's why when he said, I'm not a politician, maybe you think that's an odd statement to make. He is involved in so many political meetings, bureaucratic things, that he would never have thought he'd have to be in. But God equipped him. And so one of the things that the Lord said to me 
to just mention before we close up the service today is, yes, we talk about Nigeria, and yes, it is true that you are involved, if you are in ignition in any way, you are, you are connected with Nigeria. But whether that geographic location is ever a place that you go or are called to in this, in this realm in terms of activity, the Lord was saying to me, what is your Nigeria? For some of us, it will be a direct going back and forth investment. I, I, everyone praying. But there are some people that have a Nigeria of a different look. And it may be a special calling for you. We are called the seven places in the world. Some of you, there's another nation that God's laying on your heart. It may be this nation. Are you willing to just step where God has? Whether it's abroad. You know, I never knew that there were actually missionaries from other countries that were called to come to the U.S. to preach the gospel. And yet, of course that makes sense. Every single day, every single day, my phone uh, from a, a Newsbreak app is telling me people that are getting shot, killed, die, dying in some form. There's constant. Philadelphia just had a, a mass shooting, I think it was last night. You know, we woke up to just a little brief whatever. You don't have to have that app. But it's interesting. There is a lot of turmoil. There's a great need for people to rise and speak truth and share the gospel of hope and of love and of Jesus. But it really does boil down to what, what he said, and I loved every one of those scriptures. And it reminded me of, of Galatians 6. If we sow, whatever you sow, you'll reap, right? And if you sow to your flesh... Self-preservation, not sure, got to hold on to this, don't want to disrupt the family, not sure if my spouse is going to be ready for this. If, you, if there's too much consideration, self-preservation, Galatians 6 says, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So it's not like you just won't do the call and, well, you'll miss out on God's best. It isn't that easy anymore. It's just not. The permissible of God still has consequences because he has called us to the perfect. And when you don't choose the perfect, there are consequences. When you sow to your flesh, when you sow to your own desires, and, and it sounds a little harsh, but when I arrogantly think that I can figure out my own life and that God, I've really got a good plan and I am going to pray every day about it that you will bless my plan. When I'm that deluded in my thinking... It's so arrogant because it's like he's saying, did you create you or did I create you? Do I not, as your creator, know what you have need of? So remember Matthew 6. What a great way to end. And um, what is your Nigeria? It may be Nigeria, but I know everyone has a quote-unquote Nigeria in the sense of a calling, has an assignment, and... You'll either reap destruction and corruption in your life if you retreat and don't heed that call and self-preserve, self-indulge, self-consider, or you'll reap life everlasting, which is, of course, the other part of that verse. So I just wanted to say that, and I'm going to actually close out the entire service with a closing prayer. Father, thank you so much for the words that you gave Michael this morning. Thank you for your word that he 
gave us God as such a reminder of having the right kind of soil of our hearts to hear God, to, to not consider and take thought of our lives, but to seek first you, God, your kingdom, your righteousness, and you'll provide everything else. I thank you, God, that Michael and Allie are a walking testimony, as all of us are able to be when we just walk in your ways by faith, not by sight. That is how we overcome. I thank you, God, for the overcoming strength that you have given Michael and Allie that has allowed you, God, to do what you are doing on the ground there. Building a team, influencing the area, helping now thousands and thousands of people, God. Over 250, I believe it was um, just under 300 people that weekend at the IDP camp, inviting you, Jesus, into your heart, into their hearts. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. That was the result. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more salvations. But that is the fruit, God, of you working through a life that says yes. It isn't just our own benefit. It is the benefit of all of those that you introduce us to. That get to see you, Jesus, in our lives when we just say yes. Oh God, help us to not live unto self. Help us to recognize this is the time. This is the day of choosing. And choosing ourselves. We are already seeing people swallowed up in corruption and destruction. Because they have sown only into self. God, help us to just sow life and sow unto what you desire for our lives. So God, I praise you for this word. Thank you, God. It's such a precious time to visit here in the States with them. And I just pray that you'd allow every other um, uh, opportunity of visits, God, to just be flourishing. And, and may your spirit be on everything that they do. And thank you especially, God, for bringing little McKinley, who's just a joy. She's just truly the embodiment of a bundle of joy talking through the whole service, but it was so precious. <laughs> and I just thank you for letting us be with her and, and to see, God, what you created and what joy you gave them to, to experience, God, as just a reward, the fruit and the reward of their sacrifice, of, of their lives to you, God. Oh, you're a good, good father, and you delight in giving good gifts to your children, God. So I thank you for her. And God, I just pray that you would just help us to see things through your eyes today. We love you, and we commit this entire day to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.